Good morning. <clears throat> it's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. Thank you so much for being here. You have blessed us with your presence here. If you are visiting with, with us, as Brother Nathan says, thank you so much for being here. You are our honored guest. We invite you back at any time that you are able to be with here, be with us here, and worship God. We hope that you find yourself comfortable and edified by the services. I hope that everyone finds himself benefited and edified by the services this morning by being here in this place, this place of healing, this place of helping, this place of worshiping, and this place of strengthening. I love each and every one of you, and, th and thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I'm going to have all the verses up here on the board for you. We are going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning. There is going to be one time where we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 39 and read that chapter. I will encourage you, if you have a Bible or a, or a cell phone or something there, I encourage you to mark that spot as we will go to Genesis chapter 39 and read that chapter here in a, little, here in a moment. <clears throat> this morning, I would like us to look at a topic, think of something that is very important to a Christian's life, and that's temperance. That's self-control. Do you have self-control this morning? Now, this is something that I have struggled with a lot. This is something that I struggle with all, all, all the time, as a matter of fact, is temperance. Temperance means self-control. And it is something that we as Christians should have. Temperance is something that is expected of a Christian. It's something that God wants you to have. God wants you to have that self-control in your life that we as Christians are expected to have self-control. And the Bible tells us that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, the Bible says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are some of the Christian virtues, that, as some people have named them. These are things that we should add to our faith. We have faith. We're here this morning. We have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have faith in the things that he can do for us. And with that faith, the Bible tells us to take your faith and add to it knowledge, add to it self-control, add to it brotherly kindness, and add to it love. That self-control is something that we should add to our faith. It's interesting to me in verse 8 where the Bible says that if these things are in you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. And as Christians, we want to be fruitful. We want to bear the fruit that God wants us to bear. And that is the, is, is the fruit of the Spirit. And that's another place where we see this temperance idea, where we see this self-control self place. It's, it's, it's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, where the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law that's the fruit that we want to have in our lives that's the fruit that we want we want to bear is that long-suffering that kindness that that gentleness that meekness as well as that self-control it's something that God wants you to have in your life he wants you to have self-control self-control over your actions self-control over your thoughts self-control over your life as a Christian that we do those things that God wants us to do that we as a Christian virtue should have that self-control. As we as Christians should have that fruit of the Spirit that is self-control. Temperance, self-control. Do you have self-control this morning? You know, as we look at temperance or as we look at self-control and we think about the second half of that statement, control to me sometimes is easy. Control can be easy. I have a TV remote. I can control whatever I want to watch on TV regardless of what my children or my wife think. Just kidding. 
I have c- control over my children sometimes. I used to coach soccer a lot. And as I was coaching soccer, I would have younger kids, and I would teach them how to kick the ball, how to, how to dribble the ball, and how to control the ball. But, but when they were younger, I also used to teach them to, to, to listen to my commands. I'd have them raise their arms and raise their arms up and put their arms down and touch their nose and yank their ears and blink their eyes, and they looked ridiculous. But I did that because I was getting them used to listening to my commands and doing what I, what I said, and it was a lot of fun. I controlled those kids. So sometimes control is not very easy. You know what's really hard about self-control? Self. Self-control. It's very hard to control yourself. That's the battle. That's the fight. That we can control a lot of things in our life. But when it comes to controlling ourselves, that's more difficult, isn't it? It's more hard to control ourselves. For us to gain self-control, I think we need to understand something. That to gain self-control, it is a fight, it is a battle, and it's war. And the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that. That if you're going to have self-control, it's a fight. You want to have self-control, it's a battle. And if you want to have self-control, you want to be temperate, it's war. We read from Galatians chapter 5 towards the end there, kind of reading those fruits of the Spirit. But before that, leading into those verses there where it, ta- it talks about the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit, it says there in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, and, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So the Bible here tells us that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to, uh, to one another. And if we're talking about a fight, then one person is against the other person. That's what a fight is. I don't know if you've been in a fight, but if you're going to fight someone, you're going against the other opponent, right? And the Bible here says that that other opponent is your fleshly lust. That is against, it's a fight, it's against the Spirit. The Bible also tells us there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So it said that you should have those good works, that you should have your conduct honorable. What does that mean? Self-control. If your conduct is honorable, it's because you have control over yourself. But the Bible here says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And that's exactly what it is. It's a fight. It's a battle. It's a war. But I want us to understand this morning who the opponent is. Who are we going to war against? I have here, if you will, a boxing ring. It's the best that I could do. It's a boxing ring. And if you'll notice in this corner, the yellow corner, you've got yourself, the fleshly self. And in the blue corner, you've got yourself. That's your spiritual self. See, it's a fight. That when we're thinking about not sinning, that we're thinking about having self-control, the person that we are battling is yourself. Because you have fleshly desires. You have worldly desires. And the Bible teaches us, it shows us that we should be spiritual, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. So if we're going to talk about having self-control as in a fight, 
The opponent is yourself. And many times we want to blame the world or, 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 or we want to blame our cell phone or some computer that we can just click, click, click and lead us to that sin and lose our self-control. Or we want to blame the store that sells that thing that we want to have, that we want to drink, that leads us to that losing of our self-control. But where what really happens is it's not those things. It's yourself. That's where the fight is. That you need to train yourself. You need to fight against yourself so that you can gain that self-control. And it's a fight every day, and it's a battle. If you would turn to me to Genesis chapter 39, I want us to read about a man who had self-control. I want us to read about a man who was able to do those things because he was winning the fight against his self for self-control. And I want to see, and this is just one battle. If, if we're talking about a boxing match, it's just one round of this man's life, but he wins that round. And I want us to look at and study that this morning. Genesis chapter 39 beginning in verse 1. Genesis chapter 39, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, Now Joseph had, had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, and an Egyptian brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So if you, if you remember the story, just to set it up here, Joseph was sold into slavery basically by his brothers. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers lied about it. They brought to, to Jacob a bloody a uh, coat of many colors there that was Joseph's coat and he's gone he sold it into slavery and now he's here he's been sold from those that they sold him to to Potiphar verse 2 the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of, of, the, of his master the Egyptian and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him that he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had expected for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, casting longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he, re he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in, in the house, and he has committed all, th all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to, to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened, it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his gar garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of, of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice, he cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until the master came home. 
Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant from whom you brought to us came to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master, when his master heard these words, which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me in, after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in that prison. But, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. What, whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look in, into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So as we read that chapter, many of you might recall that story, that Joseph there was in that house of Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife was wanting her, him to lie with her. But Joseph said no, and day by day she, she asked him this request, and he said no. He said no, and then he said no. Why is that? Because Joseph had self-control. Joseph was temperate in all things. Joseph was a man of God, and he was going to do what God wanted him to do and not what his fleshly self wanted him to do. So if you think of that boxing ring, there's Joseph in the blue corner, and he's winning the fight. He's making sure that he beats down that opponent that is himself and does not give in to those fleshly lusts. But there's another character in this story that I don't normally think about a lot, and that's the master's wife. What was her deal? Who was winning her fight for self-control? Was it her spiritual self? Was it her fleshly self? I think that's quite obvious. It was her fleshly self. She was losing that fight for self-control. And she did things that, I, that, 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 that made it to where it was easy for that person, that other self of her, to win that fight. You know, the Bible here uh, tells us that in, or here in just a moment, in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, the Bible says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So here, the, uh, the Bible tells us to not make provisions for the flesh. What does that mean? What does it mean to not make provisions for the flesh? If you make a provision for the flesh, it means you are making or creating an opportunity to sin that you are making it easy for that other person, that fleshly self, to win that fight. Is that what Potiphar's wife did? Absolutely. You know, that very last time when Joseph had to run out, all the servants were gone. Nobody was in the house. Why is that? Because she made a provision. She sent those servants out, and it was just him, and it was just her. She was letting that other person win that fight. And then she lied about it to her husband and all these things. As someone who was not having self-control, she lost that fight. Let's get back to, to uh, this slide now. So how's your fight going? We just read about a, a battle that Joseph had one round, and Joseph wins that round. That's the same for us. And that was just one day, or it, it was day by day, but it was that one time, that one scene that Joseph had to win that battle, and he did. How is your battle? Are you making provisions for the flesh, for, for, for the flesh, or are you resisting? Do you have that self-control that Joseph had, or do you not? Let's look on Joseph here for a moment. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Therefore submit to God, resist the, re resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Was Joseph double-minded? Absolutely not. 
Joseph said, how can I sin against God and do this great wickedness? He submitted himself to God. But the real important thing is that Joseph there resisted. He resisted the devil. In that situation there, when that Potiphar's wife was asking him to do this thing, he resisted. And he resisted day after day after day because he had self-control. He was able to have that self-control. So is that how your, your fight's going? Because you've got, got those two different people there who are both fighting against themselves for that temperance, for that self-control. Are you like Potiphar's wife or are you like Joseph? Do you have that self-control? Are you making provisions for the flesh or are you resisting the devil and having that self-control? Know yourself to control yourself. We need to know ourselves to control ourselves. Does that make sense? Do you know yourself? Many people are going to shake their heads. You know yourself better than I do. The only person that knows yourself better is God and his son, Jesus Christ. But you know yourself, and you know what you can handle and what you cannot handle. You know the other opponent in the ring. You know your fleshly self. And many times when we think about fighting, we think about opponents. They know their other opponents. They train. They've watched film. They know how that person is going to fight. They know how they're going to drop their shoulder or how they're going to kick or whatever it is. They know. We know ourselves. You know, Joseph knew himself. He knew what he could handle and what he could not handle. See, day by day, Joseph said no. Joseph said no. Joseph said no. Then there's that last time. Everybody in the house was gone. She had made a complete provision for the flesh, right? And what did Joseph do? He turned and he ran away. We often use this story as as those that are are, are tempted and how we should run away from sin. That's absolutely what this story can be used for. But you see, Joseph turning and running away showed his self-control. Joseph doing that showed that at that point, he knew himself and knew that it was time to run away and get out of there as quick as he could. That's still winning the fight. That is still showing your self-control. Joseph was a man that looked in the mirror and knew what he could do and knew what he could handle. James chapter 1 Verses 19 through 22, talking about knowing ourselves to control ourselves. Here the Bible says, So then, my beloved brethren, this is James chapter 1, beginning of verse 19. So then, my brethren, my beloved brethren, let let, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So we are talking about temperance. We are talking about self-control and how we gain that self-control. If you'll notice that as, as I go through my PowerPoints, as I normally do, if there's something that I want to bring out that's kind of important, I'll duplicate that slide and I'll make it blue. 
You've probably already seen that now. It's blue. It's something I really want to point that make sure that you get. I want to jump back to verse 23 and 24, and you'll notice it's all blue because it's very important. It's something I want us to really understand. James chapter 1, verses 23 through 24, where the Bible says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's a man who's looking in a mirror, but he goes away and forgets himself. Do we do that? Do we look in the mirror and see maybe some imperfections and see some things that need to be fixed and we just don't fix them? I dare say none of us would look as good as we do now if we, if we did that. When we look in the mirror and we see messy hair or, or, or we see teeth unbrushed or we see a tie that's all over the place or a beard that's scraggly, unlike mine, we fix those things, don't we? We look in the mirror and we want to make sure that we look our best, correct? Those people that are losing that fight against their selves for self-control is someone that looks in that mirror, sees those imperfections, and doesn't do anything about it. We don't do that, do we? We look in the mirror, we make sure everything looks good, and then we go about our day. God's Word is that mirror. When we look into God's Word, it will show us those things that need to be fixed. If we look into this mirror, it will show us the messy hair. It will show us the missing glasses where we can't even see. It shows us the off knot on the tie. It shows us what things we should fix. And see, that's what Joseph did. Joseph knew himself. He looked into this mirror, saw those things, and fixed those things so that he could have that self-control. Because the Bible will show you and tell you how to have that self-control. It will train you. It will train you to have that self-control. Going back now to verse 21 and and 22 of of James chapter 1, there it says, And receive with meekness the implanted word, or the engrafted word, if you have the King James Version there, which is able to save your souls. What does that mean? What does it mean to receive with meekness the implanted word? It means to repent. It means to repent, see those things that need to be fixed, and fix them, because it will save your soul. You want temperance? You want self-control? Receive that word with meekness, and it will save your soul. It will fix those things. And it says, and then be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. Look in the mirror of God's word. See what needs to be changed, especially if you're looking for self-control, and the mirror will show you what needs to be fixed. But it says, don't be just a hearer, deceiving yourselves. And that is not only blue, it's underlined. Why is that? Deceiving yourselves. Do we deceive ourselves? Absolutely. And I'll tell you how. Many times we think that we have that self-control or that we can handle those things. That we might say, you know, I can watch that movie no matter what kind of stuff is in that movie because I can handle it, right? I can look at whatever I want on the internet because I can handle it. What is that? That's deceiving yourself. That's someone who is not winning the fight for self-control. Joseph knew himself. So when that time came when no one was in the house and it was just him and her, what did he do? He took off and he ran. He didn't stay there and watch that movie or do any of that stuff. He took off and he ran because he knew himself, knew what he could handle. He didn't deceive himself. He knew what he could do, and he showed his self-control. And then back here to James chapter 1, verse 26, where, where the Bible says, And does not bridle his tongue. If any man thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is vain. That we, can we deceive our own heart? Absolutely. The Bible tells us that we can do that right there. We think that we have self-control in certain situations, and we really don't. So what should we do? Run away from those situations. Don't be in them. Don't be near them. 
Many times when we talk about self-control or we talk about temperance or we talk about brotherly kindness or love or any of those things, it has to do with the heart. We need to exercise our heart. We need to discipline our heart because with the heart is what's going to make us have those habits, make, make us have that godliness and make us have that self-control. God wants you to have self-control. I, 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 I think we kind of understand that now. It is something that God wants you to have. He wants you to have self-control over your life as a Christian, as a representative of Jesus Christ. Have self-control. But sometimes we might think that that's kind of easy. Have self-control over our actions. Don't do that. Don't go to that party or that thing and grab that thing and drink it. Can we control ourselves with that? Yeah, that's pretty easy. Don't do it. But God wants you to have self-control not over just your actions, but your words. Let, not, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What does that mean? Have self-control over the things that come out of your mouth. Can we do that? Absolutely. It's not just our actions. It's our words. It's our emotions. Can we have self-control over our, our emotions and let our emotions not lead us to sin? Absolutely. We can have self-control over those things. Can we have self-control over our thoughts? Bring every thought into captivity, correct? We can absolutely do those things. God, is not, God does not want you to just have self-control over some action. God knows your words. He knows your thoughts. He knows your emotions, and he knows your feelings. We should have self-control over, over those things. That those feelings, that emotions we have don't lead us to lose that self-control. We're going to have emotions. We're going to have feelings and thoughts. Can we control and have self-control over our feelings and emotions and thoughts? Yes, we can. We have self-control over our actions and our words? Absolutely. God wants you to have self-control over your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I appreciate Brother Caleb reading this for us this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through, through 27 are some verses I have read a lot and I have studied a lot. But now that I've looked at them through this, this lens of temperance, of self-control, it has more meaning for me now. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse 24, the Bible says, Do you not know that those, th that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become, a, should become disqualified or a castaway, as we read in the King James Version. One thing I want us to understand is this is Paul. This is Paul talking about himself, okay? And he says there that I run not with uncertainty, and I don't fight with uncertainty. We have been, been talking about knowing ourselves. Paul the apostle knew himself, and he knew himself so he could control himself. He said, I don't fight with uncertainty because Paul understood who the other, uh, the other opponent is in the ring. It's that fleshly self. He understood that that's who he needs to fight. That's who he needs to compete. And he said, then I'm not doing as one who beats the air. We're, 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 we're thinking about a fight against ourselves this morning, correct? So that we can have self-control. Have you ever watched a boxing match and the opponent comes at somebody else and he just walks over here and just starts beating the air? Well, he's going to get knocked out is what's going to happen. And Paul says, I don't do that. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I know how to discipline my body. 
And it says, I'm not doing it beating the air. Paul says, I'm landing my punches against myself. I know what I should do to make sure that I have self-control. And it says there, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. That's pretty heavy words. That's not just some training and some light slaps. That's hard. That's a fight. That's a battle. That's a war. And there it is again. It's blue, but then there's something there that's underlined. I discipline. From the King James Version, says, I keep under. I want us to, to do like a little word study here on that and look at Thayer's and Strong's definition of what that Greek word means. I discipline or I keep under. <clears throat> In Thayer's, it says to beat black and blue, to smite so it causes bruises. Like a boxer who, who buffets his body and handles it roughly. The part of the face that is under the eyes. Strong says, to hit under the eye. Now that's some strong words there. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, if I have to beat that fleshly person, I'll beat him down. I'll give him a black eye. Have you ever had a black eye? Did it just happen? No. You probably got punched. And you got a black eye. Paul is saying that himself, he has to do that. He said, I discipline my body to the point where I have to, and not, not physically, but punch myself in the eye. Give myself black eyes, whatever it takes to not be like Potiphar's wife. To do whatever it takes to make sure that I have self-control and discipline my body and I bring it unto subjection. So it's not something that's just easy. It takes effort. It takes a lot of effort. And that opponent that he's talking about is himself. Paul says, I am landing my punches. And if I have to land them right under the eye, I'll do so, so that I have self-control. It takes a lot of effort to bring your body into subjection. Going back there to verse 24 and 25, where it says, Run in such a way that you obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Do we want to be tempered in all things? Absolutely. If we're talking about running a race to gain that self-control, running a race to gain that temperance, well, we want to run so we can get that prize. As we talked about, an imperishable crown. We want that, don't we? And what we need to get there is self-control. And we need to be temperate in all things. And I want us to understand that if we need that temperance, we need that self-control, to be temperate in all things, it's going to take discipline, it's going to take diligence, it's going to take exercise to develop those things that we need. Self-control is not something that just happens. You're, you're not a new Christian, you come out of that watery grave and you've got self-control. That's not how it works. It takes discipline. You must discipline your body. It takes diligence, which is like a constant effort, constant effort to make sure that you have self-control. And we need to exercise ourselves so that we can develop those things in the heart, that we can develop those habits, that we can develop those things that make it easier for us to have self-control. We read from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 earlier. Rereading those verses where it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just before he gets to that list of things that we should add, what does the Bible say? 
It says giving all diligence. It says pay attention. Make sure that you give thought and focus and effort to this. Giving all diligence, add to your faith these things. But then continuing on in, in verse 9, verse 9 through 11, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into, ever, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what else he says? He says, give all diligence. And then he gives you that list, those things that you should add to your faith. And then he says, now that you know this, be even more diligent. He said, be absolute diligence. This is important. This is something that we should have and that we should focus. Because if you're thinking about a boxing match, do you want to stumble? Absolutely not. You want to have your feet steady. You want to be ready to go. And that's where you need that self-control. You need that temperance. And the Bible says, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call an election sure. To have that temperance and to have those other things as well. That's that diligence that we should have. And it's not just diligence. It's even more diligence. Because self-control is important. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, that's Paul talking to Timothy here. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Verse 7, But re reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the light that now is and of that which is to come. You know, if we want to have temperance and we want to have self-control, we need to exercise ourselves towards godliness. What does that mean? How do you exercise yourself towards godliness? And if I say exercise it with a T, I'm sorry. I'm just weird. You need to exercise yourself towards godliness. Well, we're all here in this building right now. That's a good start. That is excellent. We need to study God's word because that word is the mirror that's going to show us the things that we should do when we exercise, correct? That we should pray more, that we should do all these things so that we can exercise ourselves so that we, that's, what in our, that's what's in our heart is that temperance, is that self-control, and that will come out, and it will make it easier for us to do so. It says exercise yourself towards godliness. Do we understand what it means to exercise? I think, I think we do. It says there the bodily exercise profits little why because if you're going to the gym or if you're exercising or if you're jogging is it going to help this body and make it be more healthy yeah absolutely but godliness is profitable for this life this body this tent as well as the eternal as well as the light that is to come that is what we should be exercising is towards godliness God wants you to have self-control self over your actions, your words, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. You might say, you've got this slide in here twice, just we've already done it. You know, when you think of someone that works out at a gym like my dad does, there's certain things that happen. One of those things is you've got arm day, you've got leg day, you've got back day, you've got calisthenics day, 
You've got certain things that you want to do to make sure that your entire body is healthy, correct? Have you ever seen someone that just did nothing but work on their arms and never did anything with their legs? It looks kind of silly, right? And, and, and you've heard that, don't skip leg day, correct? You know, God wants you to have self-control. God wants you to exercise yourself towards godliness. And that doesn't mean you just exercise your actions. It says don't skip word day either. Don't skip thought day either. Don't skip emotions day. Don't skip feelings day. If you're going to exercise yourself towards godliness, exercise your entire spiritual body. Do these things. Don't skip one and not do the other. As we're thinking about how we need to gain that, that self-control, as we understand that it takes discipline, and Paul explained that discipline kind of harshly, that you might have to beat yourself in the face, so to speak, so that you can have that self-control, okay? That we should exercise ourselves towards godliness and use God's mirror to see those things that we should do so we know how we should exercise, what we should do. But as we close this study, I hope that we all understand that we all probably need to look in that mirror and maybe fix ourselves a little bit more so that we can have that self-control. But as we leave this place, I want us to understand that you are never in this fight alone. It's not a fight where you are just alone. If you think of boxers, what's that terminology? It's always like, oh, who's in your corner? They want somebody in their corner that's going to back them up, right? They want that coach. They want that trainer that's going to be there to support them when that fight might be turning a little bit. Someone to encourage you, someone to help you. There's strength in numbers, correct? As we think about that, I want us to think for just a few minutes. In the last 30 to 45 minutes, how many of y'all have thought about losing your self-control? In the last 30 to 45 minutes, how many of you have thought about sinning right now? I can't wait to sin. I will thank none of us. Why? Because look around you. Look at who you're with. Look who's in your corner. Those are people that are going to help that spiritual self. Those are those people that are going to help you win that fight for self-control. Or is it not? Going back to our boxing ring, the people that you are around, those people that are in your corner, they're not going to be in this corner or they're going to be in this corner. And like we said, there's strength in numbers. And if there's more people in this corner than this corner, guess who's going to win the fight? You want people to, to be with you, to back you up in this corner, the spiritual corner. Who do you associate with? Who do you hang out with? Right? You know, it's not pretty to think about, but if you've ever seen somebody gang up on somebody five to one, well, that person is going to get beat down, correct? That's just what's going to happen. And when it comes to your fleshly self, if you need help, get help. Get somebody in your corner. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may, overpower, one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken it says right there that one may overpower another i have had times in my life where that fleshly self has overpowered me and then i went and i visited and i studied with other people 
and I ended up getting people in my corner. And you know what? Two can withstand that person. Three can withstand them even more. Four, five, six, seven, eight, twenty. You want as many people in your spiritual corner as you have, and you have people here in this room that can be in your spiritual corner today. Don't let that fleshly self win that fight or win that battle for self-control. If you are having problems this morning with, with tempers or you, you are having a problem with that self-control, we are here to help you. We're willing to uh, uh, help you or do anything that, 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 that we can to assist you in that fight that you are having. We'll be in your corner if you need us. If you are not a, a child of God and you wish to be baptized in the name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, to rise and walk in newness of life so that you could start adding to your faith those things. And you can start adding to your faith that brotherly kindness, that love, that godliness, that self-control. We are here to, uh, 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 to assist you with that as well. If there's anything that we can help you with, we ask that you would please come sit on these three chairs over here to my right. And please make your wishes known as we stay in the scene.